0: All right, are you ready for God's Word? All right, me too. Why don't you turn with me to Exodus 33, or you can click if you have a digital Bible, turn or click to Exodus 33. And we are in a series of messages that we started at the beginning of the year called Points. Of passion, points of passion, and and kind of the idea behind the behind the series, like this is kind of my word for the years, passion, and 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 what I know about people, and really what you ultimately know about you and about people is that we're passionate people. Everyone's passionate um, about about something, and you you may be passionate, like if you're if you're a lady, we could probably look at your Pinterest and find out what you're passionate about based on what you're pinning, right? And and if you're um, if you're a guy, you know, the Cabela's catalog comes, and every time it comes, it's like the Holy Spirit moves in power. And uh, I was so proud, like a year or two ago, we were in Dallas, and and my daughter Mariah was asking about Cabela's, and she's like, what is Cabela's? And I said, so do you know what Disneyland is? And she's like, yes. And I said, it's like that for dads. And and then she said, I want to go there. And I was like, bone of my bone, (laughs) flesh of my flesh. You know, it's like, my child. Thank you, Lord. And so anyways, uh, so we actually went, but anyways, um, like let's go. And so, uh, but anyways, you have, if you get on the right political issue, the right sports team, everyone has passion. Everyone, even the people say, I'm not emotional, but you're passionate because you let somebody's dog do their business in your yard. And all of a sudden you're passionate. You know, um, I it's, mean, it's whatever you're passionate about. And, and so the, the reality is we're passionate. And so then then the, the the potential risk is we could aim our passion at the wrong thing. Because we were given passion to direct it towards God. David said, the passion for your house has consumed me. And when our passion gets misdirected, chaos ensues. Look at King David. He was passionate about God until he became passionate about Bathsheba. And chaos ensued. And so I, as we start this year, I think, let's, let's direct our passion The right because we steward our passion, we direct it. Let's direct our passion to the right thing. That's what we're talking about. So, these are points of passion, places to direct our passion. So, uh, Exodus 33, verse 12. Um, this is so let me give you the story. Um, there was a famine in, in, in the land where Israel was, where the nation of Israel was. This is in the days of Joseph, and um, and so, um Joseph had gone ahead through really a terrible scheme and God saved Israel by Egypt. That's where they escaped to. And the famine was Egypt. And he did that through the life of Joseph. Then... Um, then the, the Israelites grew in number and it freaked the Egyptians out. And the government, essentially, the Pharaohs changed over and they didn't really know Joseph. And so they enslaved the Israelites and make them their slaves. So Israelites become slaves of Egypt. God raises up Moses, who was raised in Pharaoh's house and then went out in the wilderness. And God sends him back to Egypt to deliver the Israelites, and that's the whole let my people go and 10 plagues, they come to the Red Sea, God uh, divides the Red Sea, Israel goes across, he drowns Pharaoh's army in the Red Sea. And and then they come to a place called Mount Sinai on their way to this promised land that God had had promised them. And so they're about two and a half months into the journey when they get to Mount Sinai, into the Exodus. They're gonna spend about a year here at Mount Sinai, and at Mount Sinai, God really brought them here uh, to worship Him because He wanted them to know Him. He wanted them to hear His voice, and so this doesn't go very well because God's like, "I want you to hear My voice," and they're like, "You know what? You and Moses talk. Moses, you and God talk. We're just gonna we're gonna stay back. This is too much for us." And so, there's several encounters that Moses had with God. Depending on how you track them, um, there's like eight different times Moses goes to the mountain. Two times he's on the mountain for 40 days. Uh, A lot of people think one time is actually two times. So the first time he's on the mountain for 40 days, um, he has to come down because the people had gone crazy. And they had decided that Moses was not coming back and they had made a a calf out of gold using their jewelry and they decided to worship the calf. And then then God and Moses have a conversation kind of like parents have because all of a sudden God says to Moses, hey, your people are acting up. And if you watch Exodus, Moses will tell God, these are your people. And God will tell Moses, no, they're your people. It's like we do with parents. Excuse me. Hey, get your child. You know, your child. I don't know what's going on. Your child's lost his mind. And so um, anyway, so Moses has to come down from the mountain to find out they're having a party. Um, they're all running around naked, wor- wor- worshiping a calf and, and all kinds of stuff, um, going crazy. Um, and so and so that's Exodus thirty-two, and then we get to Exodus thirty-three, and I'm gonna read verse twelve. <laughs> Moses said to the Lord, You've been telling me lead these people, but you've not let me know who you will send with me. And you said, I know you by name, and I've found and you have found favor with me. Now watch verse 13. If you are pleased with me, that is, if I've found favor with you, teach me your ways so I will know you and continue to find favor with you. Time out, time out. This is a principle, okay? I want you to look at what Moses did. He said, you've told me that I've found favor with you. If I've found favor with you, then teach me your ways so I can find more favor with you. God loves everyone the same, but he does not favor everyone the same. And I don't know if we think this way, but, but God has favored us, and God has favored us, but we steward the favor of God. And how we steward the favor of God determines how much favor God can put on our lives or trust us with. And Moses says this, incre- I want you to think about the incredible thing that he, he's, he's wise enough to say. He's like, I found, because some of us be like, I found favor with you, give me the lotto numbers. I'll tithe. It'll be the first time ever, but I'll tithe if you'll give me. Here's what Moses says. If I've really found favor with you, I'm going to use that favor to move closer to you. And in moving closer to you, I'll find more favor with you. So where sometimes we would think to use the favor or the grace of God to move towards what we want. Moses used the favor of God to move back towards God, which is what he wanted. Because we can use the favor of God to move away from God if we're not careful. You can can actually use the promise of God to move away from God. Moses used the favor of God to move towards God. It's incredible, incredible. Um, And then he says, watch this, remember that this nation's your people. (laughs) It is funny. Anyways, verse 14, the Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I'll give you rest. Verse 15, then Moses said, if your presence doesn't go with us, do not send us up from here. If your presence doesn't go, don't send us. Verse 16 is where we kind of got the title of of the message here. How will anyone know that you're pleased with me and with your people if you don't go with us. What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? What else, what else could set us apart? NLT says it that way. What else could set us apart from all the other people in the world? except your presence. So I want to talk about the presence of God. So I call this message um, Like Nothing Else. Like Nothing Else. Can we pray together? Father, we've gathered in your house today to, um, to, to really to hear you, to worship you. God, to be in your presence. God, we pray um, that you would speak by the power of your Holy Spirit, words of life that would renew our minds, that would change us, that would cause us, Lord, to know you even more, to walk in your ways. Most importantly, God, today as we hear your word, let let us receive it, put it in our hearts so that we could never be the same when we leave. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. The presence of God. You gotta, if you're gonna talk about points of passion to me, you just gotta talk about the presence of God. And uh, and so three things as we talk about the presence of God, right, write these down. The first one is you can't separate the presence of God from the person of God. You can't separate the presence of God from the purpose of God. And and the reason I want to talk about this just briefly, really, is because I think sometimes in church we we um we mystify and at the same time, familiarize or familiarize this this concept of the presence of God, and we make it a, a goose a goosey or a tingle, <laughs> Ooh. um, and and we talk about the prayer. Well, I'm going with the presence of God, and 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 it's true. But my concern is that in 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 sometimes, if if we're not careful, it's almost like we separate. The presence of God is one thing and the person of God is another. And and it's probably overstating a very simple idea, but if you're in the presence of God, God is present. And I, because I wonder sometimes, like this morning, we we were, you know, the Bible says, "Where two or three gather in His name, He is in the midst." The reason we gather in a church—nothing against you guys watching online, thank you for watching online—but the reason we gather in a building is because there is a presence that is there is an atmosphere that is produced. There's a presence that is experienced when people come to when two or three are gathered in his name and I just wonder today as we were worshiping in the presence and thank you for worshiping but I wonder if you would have changed anything about what you did in the first part of this service if you would have had the awareness or let me say it this way if God would have been physically standing here would have changed any way or anything that you did because if we are in his presence God is present do you hear what I'm Saying. And sometimes it's like, well, I would revere God if he were standing in front of me, but we're just in his presence. If you're in his presence, he is present. This is why you honor the presence of God. This is why we respect the presence of God because it is God. Are you with me? We don't treat it flippantly, we don't treat it casually. We gathered in the presence of God today. And and the question I have is would we have acted any differently? Would anything would we have done anything differently if God would have been physically here? Because he is here. He he is here. It's like sometimes we we well, well there's God and then there's the Holy Spirit. Was the person of God? Listen, I know they're three in one. That's the the I believe in the triune Godhead. God the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? They're three in one. But let's see, they're also one in three. Meaning this that the Bible says that in Jesus was the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So if I said, is the fullness of the Godhead in God, the father, we'd have to say yes. And I could take you through scripture and show it to you. Full of mercy, full of grace, abounding in love. That's as full as full as you can get, right? Yet when Jesus is here in him was the fullness of the Godhead bodily. But then the Holy Spirit is here with us now. And in him is the fullness of the Godhead in spirit. You, you can't have one of them and not have the others. They're three in one, but they're also one Godhead in any one of the three. Are you with me? So meaning if 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 the Holy Spirit is present, which we would say that's the presence of God in, in, in a way, and, and there's different, I mean, there's, there's omnipresence, God is all present. There's manifest presence, God has made his presence known. There's also an inner presence, which is his spirit, our spirit crying out to his spirit that we're sons of God. There's God's presence in us. Then there's the anointing, which is God's presence on us. So I understand it can be a little confusing. Let me walk through it again. There's the omnipresence of God. Everything is in the presence of God. God's that big. That's the way I say it. In Bible school, they said, you know, God's everywhere, but I don't believe God's everywhere. I think, I think God's so big, everything's in his presence. That's the way I see it. Omnipresence of God, right? And then, and then, and then there's the manifest presence of God, which is the made known. It's when God reveals himself and makes himself known. You see the author of scripture, like Jacob, you were in this place, God, and I didn't know it right, when he has the dream, all right, so um, Jacob has a dream, angels ascending, descending, and he says, God, God was in this place now, and I was completely unaware, in other words, God had made himself known, are, are you with me, and, and then there's the anointing of God that the Bible talks about on us, which is, the word actually means to smear on, which is to smear on God's presence, so we are anointed by God to do what he's called us to do, but in salvation, then there's the inner presence of God, right, right, Um, And that's where God comes to live inside of us, if you will, resurrects our spirit, puts his life in us. And then if you really want to get freaky and talk about the fullness of the Holy Spirit and, and the spirit baptism, that's the presence of God that flows out of us, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. So there's a lot to the presence of God, I understand, but here's what you need to understand. If you're in the presence of God, God is present. He is, let me say it another way. He is fully present. Psalm 1611, you will show me your path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy at right hand, pleasures forevermore. Look at this phrase. In your presence is fullness. Now, of joy is a prepositional phrase. Take it away. In your presence is fullness. In your presence is fullness. God never comes halfway to a place. I mean, this is the difference, I think, sometimes between us and God. We can go to church and leave our heart at home. We can go to church and leave our head at home. Right? Because we're thinking about work situation, kid situation, financial situation. Our head is somewhere else right now. Your head is like, what are we having for lunch? We can come to church and leave our passion at home. We don't get passionate at church. We're passionate about politics at home. And here's the whole thing is God doesn't come to church without any part of himself. And his presence is fullness. This is why the presence is so incredible because the way that we can know God is by being in his presence because if we're in his presence, he's present. Moses has this incredible request of God uh, following the text we just read in in Exodus 33. It says, God, show me your glory. And God said, I can't show you my face or I'll kill you, you know, because I'm so holy. And this is still under the law, right? Mosaic law. So this is still under the law, not under grace, different concept, right? So he's like, I will not to kill you, Moses. So he said, here's what I'll do. Come up on the mountain. I'll put you in, in this little crack in the rock. I'll put my hand over you. I'll walk by and then I'll move my hand and you can see everything. You can see my hinder parts, if you will. In my holy imagination, my opinion, this is how Moses wrote Genesis. This is how you could write thousands of years of history, be, before you you actually lived. Is he saw everywhere when he saw the hind parts of God, he saw everywhere God had been. Are you with me? And and so and so this is incredible because God God shows up and and His presence is there, but His person is there. And this is what He says. Look at this Exodus thirty four five. It says, and the Lord came down a cloud, stood with him, and proclaimed his name. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate. And gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he doesn't leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the fourth, third and fourth generation. In other words, he's incredible, incredibly mercy, merciful and incredibly just. By the way, which is why he doesn't kill us because Jesus died for us. So it's his mercy that sent Jesus and his justice now that doesn't judge us. Oh, which is, I'm taking a, did you just get what I said? God would be unjust to punish us for sin, having laid all sin on him. Sin is not a problem for God unrepentant sin is because he's paid for all sin. It's just a matter of whether you want to let your sin be on Christ or be on you. Are you with me? And when we pray that, this is grace. When we pray and we ask God and we become believers, now it's the justice of God that keeps him from punishing us, not just the mercy of God. Because he would be unjust to punish us for something his son has already paid for. Do you understand that? Anyways, I, I don't know why I got anyways. The point is, he's fully present. When we come to church, he's fully present. Right? In his presence, God is present. Here's the second thing. Um, we are distinguished by his presence and not our practices. Um <laughs> my my concern about about Christian, my concern about religion, my concern about church. Is, is that ch- church people sometimes tend to be more known um, by, by the procedures and the practices that they hold to than the presence of God. And, and look, what, look what Moses said, verse 16. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me unless you go with us? What else? What else distinguishes us from your people? And too many times in church, we've been saying, you know what makes us different is we stand when we sing. You know what makes us different is we sit when we sing. You know what makes us different is we sit on the first and third stanzas, but we stand on the fifth stanza when we sing. That's what's, you know what sets us apart? We lift our hands. You know what sets us apart? We don't. And we have all these doctrinal, and I would even go farther than that, traditional ideas. And we're, these, are the, these are the people that don't wear any makeup. These are the people that wear makeup. And these are the people that wear too much makeup. Right? I mean, and those are all different. Like I could point to that and say, these are denominations and groups of people that I, we've all run. Are you with me? Yes. And the problem is out there, then we're known as those are those people that hold to these traditions or hold to these practices. And we're supposed to be known as those people who have that presence. It's not, we're not the people that walk around with a dress code and a vernacular and a fish on our car. We're supposed to be the people that when we enter a place, something's different about them. Something just changed in here. Are, are you, are you with me? Um, I was thinking about the presence of God and here, here's what Moses is saying. He's like, what else really matters? What else really matters? Like nothing else matters. This is the only thing. Think about this. Here's what Moses said. This is the only thing that sets us apart from the world. And what I'm afraid is when we don't have the presence of God to set us apart from the world, then we'll take the form of Man. And try to set up. In other words, we're supposed to live by presence and by breakthrough. And when we don't have presence and breakthrough, we end up practicing form and tradition. And we want everybody to know us by our form and by our tradition, our vernacular, and our dress code, and and our devotional post on Instagram. and, and, And 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 here's what Moses said: the only thing. Listen, listen. The only thing that sets us apart. Listen to me very carefully. The world has plenty of religions and religious people. That's right. Christianity was never supposed to be a religion among religions and a religious people among religious people. It was supposed to be a people who had the presence of Christ, the presence of God smeared on them. People who had been with God. That's what they said about the disciples. These are men who have been with God. They would even say it this way, they're not smart men. <laughs> These are unlearned men. That's what they said. These are un- they're not smart men, but they have been with God. And I thought about the, the presence of God, and I thought about the difference that it makes in our lives. Let me give you a few. First of all, I thought about Joseph. Uh, uh, Genesis 32, verse 9, it says this, And God was with Joseph, and he prospered. It says, God was with, or the Lord was with Joseph so, and I like this, it says, so he, why did he prosper? God was with him. God was with, the Lord was with Joseph, so he prospered. Like, like, I don't know, kind of like when we talked about the word of God, we said the word of God is for more than just church. The presence of God is for more than just church. Because look at this, here's what, what set set Joseph apart from every other slave? Because he was taken as a slave right, to Egypt, sold in slavery by his brothers. What set him apart? The Lord was with him. In the prison, the Lord was with him. In Potiphar's house, the Lord was with him. And in the palace, the Lord was with him. I, I, I In fact, I can tell you this, promotion comes from the presence of God. Like you can keep trying to be promoted in your job, in your country, in, in your company or whatever, or you spend time with God. Because every time Joseph was promoted, it was because the Lord was with him. We, we, need, we need the presence of God. What about this? What about rest? Uh, verse 14 of Exodus 33, when we read it, it, said, God said, I will personally go. I like that. That's an LT. I will personally go with you and give you rest. What is rest? It's, it's, a, it's a picture of trusting in God of trusting fully in Him with all of your life and, and ceasing from striving, which is under the law, where we're trying so hard to do right, to be right, to, to, to be acceptable, to be whole, and trusting in Jesus and trusting His grace and trusting His... is a transition from, from trying to trusting. And, and the whole covenant of grace is all through rest. It doesn't mean we don't do anything. It means that our trust is not in what we do. Are, are you with me? And, and so, so this is His presence gives you... Listen, are you tired? Here's an application for you. Are you tired? I'm just worn out. Life's just too much. Let me tell you what you need. In His presence. Yes. Need to be in His presence. Um, those who wait, that word would be trust also. Those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings as eagles. They will run and not grow weary. The presence of God make you the flash. <laughs> they will walk and not like some people are like. yeah, That was funny. Other people are like Flash. <laughs> DC Comics. Come on, work with me, people. <laughs> Run and not grow weary. Walk and not faint. Are you worn out? Are you tired? This is why. Listen. This is why you need to come on the weekend, man. It's hard out there. Right. Life's hard. Have y'all noticed? Yeah. Like. You come in, so your strength can be renewed. Um, what about this joy? We read at Psalm sixteen. In your presence is fullness of joy. Listen, if if in the presence God is present, and all of God is present, every attribute of God is present, and everything God gives is present in His presence. So His joy, His mercy, His His um, uh, His goodness, His His, I mean, his kindness, um, His peace, all of that is in. In his, in his presence. The thing about peace, like you struggle with fear. David said, Psalm 23, I will not fear for His presence. His presence. I found typically if you have an anxiety problem, it's really a prayer problem. Paul said, be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God will guard your hearts. If you have anxiety problem, typically you have a presence problem. Um, prayer is how we access the presence of God. Worship is, is how we welcome the presence of God. They're not the same. Uh, type would be Moses. Did I tell you all this already? Uh, types would be Moses and David. Moses prayed, show me your glory. By prayer, he accessed the presence of God. David by worship would bring the presence of God. When tr- when Saul was troubled with a, with an evil spirit, he said, "Bring David and let David worship." Why? Because it bring brought the presence of God. Do you see what I'm saying? And so and so, depending, like when you're trying to, that's why we worship. By the way, at the beginning, Sir, it's not just filling. It's not just kind of that interlude time waiting on everybody to get here so that I can talk. <laughs> um. There's so much I could say right there, but that's, that doesn't make sense. But anyways, no, but listen to me, listen to me. No, worship is where we're bringing and welcoming the presence of God. Why? Because in his presence, there's promotion, there's rest, there's joy. Acts 3, times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord. Peace comes from the presence of the Lord. Here's one understanding, Psalm 73. This is David. David, had, having a, who's having a day like you and I, have you ever had one of those days where you're like, God, look at them. They ain't doing right and it's somehow working out for them. Have you come on? Where's my honest Christians at? Right. Right. Have you ever gone to God and say, God, if I did that, you'd strike me with lightning on a sunny day. (laughs) But yet they're doing that and they're getting promoted and it's working and everything's happy and they're in the Bahamas. You know, you've given God attitude like a teenage girl gives their mama attitude. You know that? Don't I, like, what's that? It's, that? it's that head thing y'all do. You know, that thing. Anyways, you know, you've done that. David was having one of those days. He's like, God, why do the wicked prosper? And then look, look at this. Psalm 73, 16. When I tried to understand all of this, it troubled me deeply. Let me say it another way. He was ticked off. That's what it means. Verse 17, until, look at this, I entered the sanctuary of God, and then I understood their final destiny. Here's why I say it doesn't work forever. (laughs) So then I understood, then I understood. Look at this. He gained understanding what? By the Sometimes you need understanding your business. You need understanding your family. Let me say another way for understanding because the Bible says lean not on your own understanding. Let me give you a word for, for, for God's understanding. You need his perspective. You need to know how he sees it. You need to know what he thinks about it. And the Bible says that the spirit who searches the deep things of God, the deep secrets of God, that we've been given that same spirit so that we can know the thoughts. We can know the things of God. Are you with me? He, he, gives us, he gives us understanding. And then think about this. The power of God is in the presence of God. The power of God. Like Remember, you can't have God and, and not his power. If God is there, he is there. And God is all powerful. Jesus said this. He said, if I cast out demons by the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Now, that's a a lot in that sentence right there. If I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, there's the presence of God, right? Then the kingdom of God, the kingdom's in the Spirit, has come upon you. The kingdom is the authority and the execution of the will of God. It is the reign of God. Are you with me? Here's my point. If, If the king is present, the kingdom's present. That's what Jesus is saying. Matthew 4 went about preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing all those who are sick among them. Why? The king was present, so the kingdom is present. Now now his presence is cast out demons by the spirit of God. Then the kingdom of God has come. Now the kingdom is in the spirit because what? If they're all present, if one of them is present, they're all present. So the Holy Spirit is here. The reign of God is here. The kingdom of God is here, which is the executing authority of God's will and power is here. If the king is present, the kingdom's present are you with me? like we, we the presence of God is what makes us different Here, here's the third thing. the sincerity of our posture determines the proximity of his presence. The sincerity of our posture determines the nearness the proximity of his presence because when you read this text like there's a lot going on that says crazy. So Exodus 32 that's the whole golden calf thing, right? And then we read Exodus 33, 12 through 16, and that's this, I'll go with you. But you need to know how Exodus 33 started because it wasn't looking good. And and here's how it started. Look at this, Exodus 33, verse one. Then the Lord said to Moses, leave this place, you and the people, you brought, <laughs> they just can't get this settled out of Egypt. <laughs> the only people I feel bad for is the, the Israelites because nobody wants them, you know? <laughs> And he said, go up to the land I promised on an oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob saying, I will give you, I'll give it to your descendants. And I'll send, look at this, I'll send an angel before you and drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, Hittites, Parasites, Hivites, Bossites, Polytikites, Cellulites, Jebusites, all those. (laughs) Verse three, go up to the land flowing with milk and honey. But then look at this. But I will not go with you because you're a stiff-necked people. And if I go, I might kill you. <laughs> parents, parents. <laughs> God understands. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you do you see what God just said there? Because I, I don't know if you caught the gravity of that. He said this I'm going to send you into the promise, but I'm going to stay behind. I will give you, because God, two things, the uh, writer of Hebrews tells us why we can trust the promise of God because he can't change and he can't lie, right? And God said, I can't change. And I can't lie. I promised it to your ancestors and I'm going to give you what I promised. But I'm not going to go. Question. If God were to tell you today, I will give you what I promised you. But I won't go with you. You can have The promise or the promiser? What would you choose? Now listen, before you answer. i choose the promiser, pastor. Because we're in church and I know the right answer. And it's C. Okay. I'm just saying... Not on Sunday morning. Maybe about Thursday afternoon. Or Friday night. Or right after something happens. Right after it goes bad. Right after one of those days. God said. Because this is all about the posture of your heart. God said. I'll give you what I promised. But without my presence. What would you choose? Like This is that heart question. It's that hard question. And what's incredible to me is he offers Israel, like, and I'll give you a bodyguard to make sure you get the promise. Like, I'll send this angel. It's like John Wick on steroids. You know, I'll send you this angel, and he'll blow up everybody as you go through. And you can have the promise, it's just you won't have me. And now you understand Moses saying, if you don't go, don't send us. If you don't go. And then I thought, well, I need to understand the problem because what would make God not go with me? Would anybody be interested in that answer? Like, I think I want God to go with me. I mean, John Wick's good, but I'd rather have God. You understand what I'm saying? And he says this, because you're a stiff-necked people. Stick neck. Uh, it comes from two Hebrew words. Kashay orif. Kashay means difficult or stubborn. Orif, as a noun, means neck. But as a verb, means to turn back. And so he's saying, you you are a stubborn people with a thick neck who turn back. And and it's it's a term used for oxen when you're plowing with the oxen because you have this ox goad, which is this pole with a spike on it. And if you want to speed up the oxen, you just you just prick its heel with this ox goat and and it goes faster. But when you want to turn the oxen, you prick its neck. And here's what God's saying. I'm pricking your neck and you just keep turning back to what you want to do. I keep trying to turn you towards me and you just keep turning back to what you want to do. I I keep trying to get you to go the way of everlasting life, the, 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 the way you need. I keep pricking you but you just, and, and he's saying this, this is this is the problem. Stiff neck. The neck keeps turning the head away from where I want you to go. And I thought, what do we do about our stiff necks? Because I don't know about you, but I'm pretty sure God's had some pricking with me. Where I was. Don't look at me like it's never happened. No, I'm just perfect in the Lord and I just walk in the cool of the day in the garden. Pastor, you're a liar and going to hell. <laughs> we all have those days where God's trying to turn the ox in your... I want this relationship. I want this position. I want. I just want to say what I want to say. I want to post what I want to post. <laughs> God's like, and we're stiff-necked. And then I contrasted that with Moses. Because look, look look at what the... Oh, by the way, this is in the New Testament too. The same terminology. If you're like, I was old, New Testament. Acts seven fifty one. This is Stephen. Stephen's preaching the gospel. He says, you stiff-necked people. Your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised, meaning they're not sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And just like your ancestors, you're always resisting. And by the way, he is pointing to the religious community and the Jews of that day and saying, you are just like the people that God didn't want to take into the promised land. It's like a burn. You know what I'm saying? He's, that's why he uses the word that, that would be the Greek equivalent of the Hebrew stiff neck, because he's trying to make the point, you're just like them. You're just like them. How hard-hearted, how stiff-necked were they? Right after he preached this, they stoned him to death. We're like, we are not hard-hearted. And here's here's what he's saying, you're not being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. You're you're not you're not allowing God to direct your life. You're not allowing God to turn your life. You got to think about the 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 Israelites, they've been through the whole water bitter at Morah, and God sweetens it, and now we don't have bread, and God gives manna, and we hate manna, we need meat, and God gives quail, and we're dying of thirst, and God brings water out of a rock, and every time they get mad, they murmur and they complain, and they would say, We want to go back to Egypt where we have beds and onions must be some good onions (laughs) because he promised the land flow with milk and honey. And I don't know about y'all, but if I'm choosing milk and honey and as you know, peanut butter (laughs) versus onions. And every time they just, and he would prick And that's what happened with the golden calf is they they make this golden calf and, and God tells Moses how quickly they turned back From what I commanded them. How quickly. See this thing. Do we want to live where we quickly turn to him. Or quickly turn away from him. And they turned back from him. And they made a cow. A calf that was their God. And they said worship Elohim. One of the Hebrew names for God. Worship this God who brought you out of Egypt. Because they would rather turn back. And serve a God they created. than serve the God who created them. They were more comfortable creating a God to serve them than they were serving the God who created them. Sometimes we just build ourselves a God that likes us the way we are. How quickly they turn back. Now what's the difference with Moses? We'll check this out. Exodus 33, verse 7 says this. It was Moses' practice. It was Moses' practice to set up a tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses would go to the tent of meeting, God would come down to the tent of meeting. And I just hung on that word. And I'll tell NLT, that word practice. It was Moses' practice. And I thought, okay, they have, a, they have an issue with their stiff neck because it turns their head away from God. And I thought about when you're talking about the presence of God, the word uh, in Hebrew for presence is pene. It literally means to turn the face. It's the face. And I thought about the the difference between here we're talking about the presence of God and, and Moses is like, we've got to have your presence. And Moses was so, so devoted to the presence that he said, he said, I will put the promise on the altar if I can have the presence I will sacrifice, he said, I'm not going unless you go with me. I will give up the promise. I will not give up your presence. I will put the promise on the altar, but I've got to have your presence. And, and I thought about the difference between him and, and the Israelites, and it was a it was a face issue. And it's like, well, how do I get God's presence in my life? How do I get God's presence near? What is it that brings God close over and over? How do I live close to God? It's all about the neck. Because they had a practice of turning their face away from God. And Moses had a practice of turning his face toward God. And if you want God to turn his face towards you, you turn your face towards him. It's what Moses did. He would go out to the tent of meeting and meet with God face to face. Exodus 33 will later say face to face. But why did God meet with him face to face? Because he turned his face to God. He turned himself to God. And what was it that cost them? They kept turning their face away from God. Back to where they'd come from. Back to what they wanted. Back to what was comfortable for them. And he would prick them and they would just turn back. And prick them and they would just turn back. Listen to me. You can't say you desire the kingdom and not be devoted to the king. You'll never have more of the kingdom than you have of the king. And this is what Moses said I don't want the kingdom. I don't want the promise. I don't want the presence. Because what else? What else makes us different? What else sets us apart? How else will anyone even know who we are except your presence? This is the only thing that matters. There is nothing else like it. Even the promise is not like your presence, and so Moses made a practice of turning his. Like, like I think people say, "Well, I'm trying to get to know God. What do I do?" Listen to me carefully. Listen. Make a practice of turning your face towards Him. Because unfortunately, because of the brokenness and the frailty of our flesh, we we make a practice of turning ourselves away from Him. The only way to combat that is to make a practice of turning yourself to Him. By default, you will move away from Him every time. Every human. That's what we all have in common. By default, we will turn away from Him. So what do we do? We make a practice. A lot of people say practice His presence. What does that mean? Turn your face towards Him. In the morning, turn your face towards Him. Throughout the day, turn your face towards Him. Be sensitive. Be aware. How do you you increase that awareness of the presence of God? Well, by practicing turning your face towards Him and seeking Him and searching for Him and looking for Him. There's nothing else like it. It's the only thing that matters. It makes all the difference in all the world. Are you with me? Let's be a people. That turn our face towards him, that turn our face, that seek him and search for him. Let that be the testimony of our church. Not that we dress a certain way, act a certain way, talk a certain way, do a certain thing. No, let it be that, man, when that guy gets to work, things seem to be peaceful. When that guy gets to work, things seem to change. Man, that, I don't know who's just moved in the neighborhood, but it's made a difference. Because they're practicing turning their face towards God. And when we turn our face towards him, he turns his face towards us. Are you with me? Can you thank God for his word this morning? Why don't you stand with me?